If you would like to follow along with your Bibles this morning or your iPhones or your smartphones, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. God, you are so good to us. You're so good to Northside. You're so good to, to each and every one of us as we declare your faithfulness in song this morning. That was an incredible selection of music today. This morning I have pondered the thought of how God can turn things around suddenly. Say that word with me, suddenly. So I titled the message this morning, When God Suddenly Awes Us, A-W-E-S, when He absolutely awes us. Have you ever been awed by God? Has He ever just kind of, you know, just suddenly done something in your life and you go, wow, that was incredible, Lord? He's doing that more and more and more. Gloria, that is one of your awe moments today, amen, you know, to say, wow, that just, I stand in awe, you know, that suddenly God can change us with his stuff, and his stuff is good stuff. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we are Pentecostal believers. We believe in the giftings of your spirit. We believe in the gift giver, your sweet Holy Spirit. Fill us again today, Lord, empower your church again. May we follow the instructions of the message in tongues and interpretation to become a humbled people, not just as a north side group, but as a nation. That we would become humble in your sight, Lord, and we would ask for forgiveness and that we would accept everything that you have because of Calvary for us. Now today, Lord, we just ask you to simply take and open our hearts let the word of the Lord fall upon good ground, and may it multiply to become good fruit. For it is in your name we ask these things. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And here it is. And suddenly, say that with me, suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Oh, mighty God, do it again in America. Do it again, Lord, 19 and 14. 1912, 1914, whenever the Assemblies of God came in to be in birth, amen. It was all because of the outpouring of the baptism in the Holy Ghost, amen. A lot of churches, they closed the door to that, but a lot of churches begin to be birthed and opened up, amen. And we today are following the 21st century. We're following the first century, amen, of the birthing of the church, amen. And suddenly the Bible says that the Lord opened the heavens and dropped down the baptism baptism in the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't that be incredible if we are here worshiping the Lord on a Sunday, amen, and all of a sudden the windows of heaven is opened up and we all begin to speak in a heavenly language, amen. I tell you what, they, oh yes, amen, it's possible. Praise God. You could be in your room at nighttime getting ready to lay your head on your pillow and the Holy Ghost can come on you and come in you. Well, praise God. I was tempted to follow the train of thought and to ponder the train of thought that suddenly things happen that are not good because the airwaves are filled with that, the newspapers are filled with that, television is filled with that. And I went back and just kind of rehearsed a few, uh, the explosion of the spaceship with those famous words, uh, uh, throttle up. 
I remember the day I was a young boy. I was in junior high, but I remember the day that President Kennedy was shot and killed in Dallas, Texas. I remember where I was at, what I was doing when the Twin Towers were attacked by terrorists and 3,000 people lost their job. I remember the news coming in on the devastating earthquake in Haiti. And uh, I tell you, it just literally changed that nation. I could go on and on, but I quickly began to say, you know, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about when God suddenly brings good change with good God stuff. Are you a witness this morning that God has done good stuff in your life? Amen. If you thought back a year ago, would you think you'd be sitting in Assemblies of God Church giving God praise, hallelujah, making t-shirts that says make God famous, amen. Would you, would you, would you believe that you would be here, amen, pray, come on church, come on, preach with me a little bit, but you are here, amen, amen, and it may have been a progression of work, but it was a sudden change in your life, amen, and that's a good change, I remember that change in my life. The Holy Ghost can suddenly bring good change. Oh, somebody needs to get in agreement with this this morning because God's got good stuff for you. Come on, I'm going to say it again. God has got some good stuff for you. Amen. Now, he's got good stuff for you. Oh, not all suddenly stuff is bad. When God is in it and His stuff, it's always good. I begin to think about David of old, how that he wasn't much to be considered when the prophet was looking to anoint a new king for Israel. And David wasn't even in the lineup. He wasn't even in, in the consideration. All of his brothers were, but he was still out there on the, the backside taking care of his dad's sheep, uh, taking care of being a sheep herder. Uh, and he wasn't even in consideration. But all oh, suddenly, uh, his life was getting ready to change. Amen. Uh, the prophet said, isn't there any more? Don't you have any more sons, Jesse? Uh, and he said, yeah, I've got one. He's a little ruddy shepherd. Go get him. And when he walked in before the prophet, amen, the prophet said, he's the one. And he began to pour that oil on him and anoint him. David's life began to be changed in a sudden moment, but at the same time in a progressive walk as well. Oh, as I thought about David, I said, Lord, that's just like you to take a shepherd boy of no consideration at all. And you anoint him, amen. You take him from the shepherd field and becomes the shepherd of an entire nation. That's our God. I was reading about Joel Osteen. Whether you like Joel Osteen or not, I, I, uh, I read his books every now and then, and, and I always can get something good. Amen. Uh, he's always very positive. You know, and I wish he would preach a little bit more on, on sin and, the, and, you know, and, and the, the bondage breaking of sin and stuff. But it's all right uh, because God is good. Amen. And everything that is so, that means that God's not bad, at least so you understand. But I was reading about Joel Osteen, and he did not plan to become the senior pastor of one of the biggest mega churches in the Western Hemisphere. He was working with his father as a cameraman. He run the camera every Sunday, and he made a statement that, that he said, I was more content to be behind the camera than I was to be in front of the camera. That's a pretty powerful statement, amen. He was content just to run, uh, run the television uh, camera, not even be in charge of all the cameras, just to run one camera, amen. But when his daddy uh, died and the Lord called him home uh, and the church uh, looked around and they said, you know what, I think we want to hire Joel to become our senior pastor, and oh, what a good job job he has done. But instantly he went from being a television cameraman to the lead pastor. I don't advocate. I don't advocate senior pastors falling over dead so they can get somebody else. 
Oh, praise God. I begin to think about in 2 Kings where the widowed woman, she was so uh, concerned. She was afraid because uh, she had a lot of debt. Uh, she had a lot of debt in her life. And as I read that story, she was actually the widow of a preacher. And she had a lot of debt in her life. <clears throat> and the creditor had called and said, basically, I'm going to take your two boys until they work off the debt. She was so frustrated and so afraid that she began to cry out to God. That's a good thing to do, church. When you don't know what else to do, you cry out to God. She cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent a prophet along. He had already set the situation up. <coughs> and the prophet said, what do you have? She said, I got a little meal and a little oil. He said, make me something to eat. And she said, <coughs> I'm sorry. She said, all we have enough is for me and my son my sons to have this, and then we're going to just die. And suddenly, God performed a miracle, and she had enough oil left over in the barrels, amen, to not only feed her family and to feed the prophet, but she had enough to sell the oil, praise God, and pay her debt off completely. And she went from all of a sudden being in debt now to be debt-free. Oh, wouldn't it be good to be debt-free? You will be debt-free the first moment that you take your last breath. <laughs> From then, uh, now until then, amen, we're still going to be paying bills, amen. We're going to pay taxes on our gasoline that we put in our cars. We're going to be paying taxes on our food that we put in our stomachs. We're going to pay taxes on the fuel that we have to heat our homes. On and on and on. I feel so depressing to think about that. Her debt was paid, amen. Suddenly, she went from being in debt to being debt-free. Come on, somebody give the Lord a, a praise this morning because He will do it for you as well. When our superintendent, our former superintendent, Brother Moore and his wife were here, we had just recently remodeled the church and put in the new pews and the new carpets. And, and she said to me as she was looking over the, the carpet, and she said, what color is that? I said, oh, Sister Moore, that is plum. That's the color called plum, and it's plum paid for. Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's have fun today. Amen. Let's have some fun today. Amen, because God is so good. And when God gets His stuff and our stuff, it turns to be good. Amen. Our stuff might be bad, but His stuff is always good, and His stuff always overrides our stuff, and then our stuff becomes good. And you thought of that all yourself, Pastor? <laughs> I remember the widow woman that she was taking her son, her only son, out to the outside the city to give him a, a formal burial. And as she was taking him out, they were weeping and wailing, as was the Eastern culture of that day. In fact, if you didn't have family to weep, you could hire somebody to weep and, and cry for you. Yeah, isn't that something? She was weeping and crying. The family was going along. Here's a young, strapping young man that died suddenly. And as she's leaving, death is walking outside the city gates. Jesus and his disciples are walking into the city. So you got to see this. It's like a train wreck getting ready to happen. Amen. Death is getting ready to head collision on with life. Amen. And guess who wins? Life always wins when Jesus is involved in it. And she went suddenly from grief to relief as Jesus said to that young man, get out of that coffin get up 
He rose up. Hallelujah. Can you just imagine? Amen. He rose up and he, he crawled off of that, those poles that they were carrying him on. Amen. It wasn't like a coffin we had. He rolled off of there. Amen. And embraced his mama. Amen. And Jesus just said, oh, life is better than death. You choose. Suddenly things happen. Suddenly things can change. Suddenly you can go from having a bad day having a really bad day, a really good day, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, you too can have a sudden moment with God when He takes you suddenly into His stuff, His good stuff. You know, I was thinking here that David and Joel and others, you know, they got a divine promotion, and, and then the widowed women, they got divine uh, provisions given to them, and, and then uh, Saul uh, who go, comes becomes Paul is given a, a divine plan. And that's where we're going to finish up uh, the message today is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 9, and Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 2, suddenly everything changes when the Spirit of God that had been promised to the early church to say, go and tarry in the upper room until you be endued with power from on high. May I make a very bold statement to you this morning. It is a very difficult road to take once you get saved if you do not receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is whenever God comes along with His Spirit and helps pick us up and gives us strength and moves us into a dimension and a plan. Yes, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Yes, when you get saved, you have the power of God inside of you. But oh, there's another dimension. It's called the advantage giver. Jesus gives us the advantage, amen. And He promised it to the church. He promised it to every single one of us that are here today to be filled with the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And so Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, when the early church was birthed, what a sudden wonderful thing took place. One day things didn't look good. One day things were not going in the way that it should. Jesus had been placed on trial by the Romans. He had been placed as a mock trial. I read a, a work from an attorney in Springfield that just put every point in there how that it was such an unlawful trial to begin with, that everything was made up, everything was a mockery, and yet suddenly all things did not look good. Jesus is tried in this mock trial. He is taken out and beaten severely. He is put up on a Roman cross, the instrument of execution of that day. And my Bible says that he gave up the ghost. And he says it is finished. And he died that day. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb. Why did they bury him in a borrowed tomb? Because he didn't need it very long. On the third day, however, suddenly things began to happen. Amen. There was a stone that was miraculously rolled away, not to get Jesus out of that sepulcher, but to let the disciples and the women get in to see that he is not there. It was a sudden change. Amen. Suddenly it is changed. He is risen. When with Jesus' resurrection, everything changes. My doubts were, were replaced with great hope and faith. You say, well, Pastor, I don't understand about all this thing called the rapture and the Holy Ghost and, and divine healing and things like that. None of us do. But we can experience His love. 
And by faith, amen, uh, even though we've never experienced a rapture, uh, even though we've never had that catching away of the church, uh, when Jesus said it's going to happen, we have faith to believe it's going to happen, uh, and it could happen sooner than later. You talk about a sudden event. Doubt is replaced with hope. Even old brother Thomas, he said, you know, I'm not going to believe until I can touch the nail prints in his hands and I can touch the, the spear, that, the side of his, uh, of, his, uh, uh, of his body where the spear went in. And, oh, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Blessed are north side assembly of God, folks, uh, who believe and have not seen. Amen. Oh, he changes all that. He takes the doubt away and he puts faith in, uh, in his place. And for that, I'm grateful. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe. Is there any believers in the house of the Lord this morning? Are there any believers here this morning? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a round of love and appreciation. Say, Lord, we don't understand everything. We don't know. We don't know everything, but we do know this. If you say it, I believe it. It's going to happen. Amen. So the power of God to, to all, he awed everybody that day whenever he filled up the church with a bad... They said, what is this? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're drunker than skunks. What is this? And they said, oh, it's not, it's not wine. It's new wine. Amen. It's not, the, it's not man's wine. It's Holy Ghost wine. Amen. They were, being, they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, do it again. Just, just let us get so drunk in you, Lord. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not that old to, to remember some of those old Pentecostal services that we had uh, where we'd have to get somebody uh, to help somebody get to their car uh, and then drive them home because they were so under the influence of the baptism and the Holy Ghost. Anybody remember some of those days? They just lay there, amen, just lay there in the presence of God. I remember when, I won't tell you who, who it is, uh, I won't tell you his name, but his initials is my call. I remember the day that God filled my call with a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and it was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday morning. Uh, and he was laying right here. Amen. He was just laid out right here. And I just stayed with him for an hour and then two hours. And I wrote a note on him. And I said, Mike, God bless you. <laughs> Amen. Shut the door when you leave. Amen. Uh, oh, it was good. I shut the back door so that nobody would think that there was a dead man laying in there. But there was a dead man laying in here. Amen. He was an old, old dead man. Came back to life again. You say, Pastor, you should never, you shouldn't have done that. You should have stayed with him. I stayed with him as long as I could. Where you at, Mike? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a good day, wasn't it? Oh, it's a good day. And God's been blessing you ever since with good stuff. Amen. Changes your life. Changes your life. And I left Mike with his hands raised up too. He had his hands raised up for like two hours. I didn't know whether to put a pillow under his head or get him a blanket or. To pour into you, to pour into me with his spirit in a measure that simply overflows us. I think probably a way that I could describe whenever the Lord saved me was that he, he took a 55-gallon barrel of love and he poured it all over me. But describe the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's like that he gave me 440 juice running in a 110 body. <clears throat> he supercharged me. He put fuel in me that I'd never had in me before. 
He put a desire in me that I had never had that kind of desire before. He put a testimony in me that I had not had that kind of a testimony. He put an empowerment in me that I didn't care who you were or where we were at. I was going to talk to you about Jesus. And Lord, do it again. Amen. You don't have to just simply preach to somebody, but you can love somebody. Amen. And they're going to say, you know, I don't know what happened to that guy, but I want whatever it is that he's got. Just simply being kind. Hi, Jerry. The power of God to all us in filling us up with Him, amen. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and I just simply am amazed at everything that He can do and does do and continues to do, not only in me, but also in you and you and you. So whenever you have that inflow of God's presence, something happens as you get the inflow of God in your life, when He begins to overflow in your life to where that He tops off your innermost being with Him and He takes all of you out of the moment and the equation for a moment and you become so hungry for God. Amen. And you begin to just simply just love Him. And as you are being filled with His presence, when it begins to become an overflow, you're going to begin to sing in His Spirit. You're going to be able to speak in His Spirit. Amen. You're going to praise Him in the Spirit. You may have groanings that you don't understand, but something is going to happen. There's going to be an inflow, an outflow that's going to come out of you. People are going to recognize that there's a change in your life. If they don't recognize there's a change in your life, then they got a problem, don't they? <laughs> Amen. And an overflow, and an outflow, amen. Oh, it's a wonderful process of being filled up with the Lord. You say, well, pastor, I don't know about, about all this because I'm just happy being saved, amen. You know what? I'm so happy being saved too. But if you're ready to take a step a little further, if you're ready to be an evangelist, if you're ready to write a book, if you're ready to take, amen, and want to be a witness to your workers, your co-workers, amen, even that old cantankerous boss that you have, if you want to do something for the kingdom of God, oh, don't leave home without the Spirit of the Lord. Take MasterCard with you too. Just make sure that the Master's in charge. Acts chapter 9, I love it. Old brother Saul, he had the papers. He had the papers in hand to be able to arrest those that were calling upon the name of Jesus. Now you have to understand, the early church is being birthed. It's, a, it's something that they don't know much about. They haven't experienced yet. And Saul thought he was doing the work of God by having the letter in hand to be able to go in to where those little risings of Christianity were popping up and to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial for heresy and even take and put them to death. It was Saul who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen the first deacon. I got news for you. You can't outrun God's plan. Oh, amen. And your arms are too short to what? Box with God, amen. Just put that on my tombstone. His arms were too short to box with God. <laughs> no, you better not do that. You better do something else. Been thinking about giving me one of them tombstones that's got a video in it, you know. Ah, 
Oh, Jesus, help this preacher. Saul's going along on that road to Damascus. He's got the letter in hand, and he's going along. He's got an entourage with him, and he's boldly going on to be able to persecute the church. He's going to eliminate the church single-handedly. But as he's walking down that road, amen, suddenly the Bible says, suddenly, amen, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And I'll tell you what it did. It put Saul right face first in the dirt. And when you read that story, you find that his disciples that were with him, they stood in wonder because the heavens opened up and a voice came out. And he struck blind. I don't know about you, but that's an awe moment. That's not an aha moment. That's an awe moment. That's an awe-inspiring moment. To go with a pride and arrogance. And now all of a sudden you're laying there in the dirt and you can't see a thing. For three days he couldn't see. And the Lord spoke to a young man by the name of Ananias and said, Go and anoint Saul, who is going to be Paul. And he said, Lord, have you not heard how mean that man is? You ever run into a mean man? You ever run into somebody that's mean? Got a reputation for being mean? The brother of a man that was deceased, he came to the pastor and he said, listen, he said, well, everybody knows that my brother was, a, was mean and he was no good and everything, but I'll give you $500 if you'll make him a saint. And the pastor said, all right, you're on. He stood up to preach the man's funeral and he said, you know, everybody knows old so-and-so here. He was, he was certainly not a saint, but, a court, but in comparison to his brother, he was a saint. He said, Lord, don't you understand? This one called Saul, he, he, he'll have me killed. He'll have me decapitated. He'll have me thrown in jail. And the Lord said, do not be afraid. He is a chosen vessel unto me to be able to share Jesus. with." The, and the nice went. And he said, uh, he said, Paul, he said, I'm here on, on appointment from God. And he laid hands on him and he prayed, amen. Amen. And his eyes, it says, as if it were scales dropped from him. And then notice this. And Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which were which dwelt at Damascus praying and preaching and proving that this is the very Christ in other words God changed his stuff and it went from bad stuff to good stuff and then old brother Paul he's out doing the work of the Lord in Acts chapter 16 and he gets thrown in prison I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been in jail. (laughs) But I'm sure it's not a pleasant thing to be, where to be. If I had more time, I'd tell you some of my experiences, but I don't have time. They're in the jail. The Bible says that they weren't just treated like they should have been treated. They were treated as hardened criminals for simply preaching Jesus. They were put in stocks and bonds. They couldn't, they couldn't even scratch their nose because their hands were in, in stocks and their feet were in stocks. 
And when it came dark, and, and I heard uh, Brother Dan Betzer preach a message on, on this, and he gave the illustration that they were in the very bottom of it, the lowest part of the prison, and they were probably right where the open cistern ran through the prison where all of the feces and all the, everything was just put in there, and it ran down, and they were right there amongst all that. And yet they were beaten, and they were mistreated, even though Paul was considered to be a Roman citizen, and they should not have done that. He's there at the midnight hour, and he looks over at Silas, and he says, Come on, Silas, let's sing a song of praise unto the Lord. And Silas probably said, oh, you're the evangelist. I'll do what you want to, but down deep in his heart, he's probably saying, Lord, touch him. His mind's about to go. He's about to lose it. But instead of cursing the circumstance, he began to praise God. And as he praised God, and as they song, sang songs of praise to the Most High God, the Bible says that the prisoners begin to hear it. Oh, this morning, church, listen. Your testimony, your song, your praise may affect somebody that you don't even know that it's being effective to them. You keep on singing and praising God and giving Him all the glory, even if you're in stocks and bonds in the lower part of the prison with the cistern running right between your legs and on out the door. You just give him praise. And the Bible says that suddenly, say that word with me, there came an earthquake. There came an earthquake. I wanted to title the message, a whole lot of shaking going on. It began to shake and rumble. Now they didn't have concrete footings like we have today. It was probably big old limestones that were piled up for the footing. And they began to move and shake. Amen. And you know what gets my attention more than anything else was the Bible says that their stocks and their and their bond and their just fell off. The chains just all fell off. And the warden of the prison, he ran to check and see what was going on and, and he called for a light. Oh, church, listen, when there's a storm and the people are in the midst of the storm, they're calling for a light. And guess what? You're the light. You may be the only light they ever see. They call for a light. And Paul said, do yourself no harm. Don't hurry carry yourself. Do yourself no harm. We are all here. And the jailer came in, he fell down in front of Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall be saved. Come on, give him praise. And there was not only a sudden change that day from the jailhouse being an earthquake opening them up, but there was a change, a sudden change in the jailer's heart. Because the Bible says that he took them into his own home. And he mended in their wounds. He poured oil in their wounds. He took the salve and he put it on their wounds. And he prepared a meal for them. And they stayed there and talked about Jesus and loved on each other. Amen. There was a mighty change that took place in that warden's heart and in that warden's family. Amen. And when it came time for the morning time to come, oh, they wanted Paul and Silas to slip out the back way. He said, absolutely not. We're going out the front door. We're going down Main Street. Amen. Because I am a Roman citizen and what you did was illegal. But far more than that. Far more than that. He was once a prisoner and then suddenly he's free man. Once he was a, a rank center and suddenly became one of the most 
best saints in all of the scriptures, if you can have a best saint. He went from being the chiefest of sinner to writing most of the, of the New Testament. Go figure. Doesn't God have a good plan? There was a football coach that, he was a good football coach. He liked to uh, inspire his players. And he would run up and down the sidelines of the field. Now, now they put a coach in a box in high school. You can't get out of that box. But in, in uh, I'm sorry, that's basketball. I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> the coach would go back, and he'd go with the changing of the, of the 10 yard down or whatever. But he would always tell his, his players, he would say, listen, the game can suddenly change. And when a fumble would take place and they would recover the fumble, when a kick would be blocked, when a pass would be intercepted, uh, this coach was known for running up and down the sidelines uh, and uh, speaking outside the box. He would yell, uh, sudden change, sudden change, sudden change. That's what he's known for, sudden change. Now capitalize on it. Sudden change, amen, hallelujah. Sudden change, sudden change. And I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. Pastor needs to run up and down the aisle saying, sudden change is coming. Sudden change, church, amen. You might be losing today. You might feel like you're losing today. But sudden change is coming when you fall at an old-fashioned altar and you say, Lord, I'm tired of driving this thing. I'm going to let you drive it for a while. I'm just going to follow you. Come on, yell that with me. Sudden change. Oh, sudden. If you don't get anything else out of the message today, remember this on Monday. Sudden change. Sudden change is coming. Lord, I'm ready for my sudden change. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when God awes us, He takes the aha moment and He awes us to come into our heart and lives. Take a moment and go back in your memory and remember the day that you accepted Christ as the Lord of your life. You might say, well, Pastor, it wasn't like there was fog that filled up the room, and it wasn't like that I heard an angelic, angelic uh, choir begin to sing. But I will tell you this, when you accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, you recognized and you knew that you knew that you knew that a change had taken place. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't close this morning with the thought of a sudden change that's getting ready to take place, church. It's called the blessed hope. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. Brother Chris, would you mind to come play it? And Sister Delaney, would you mind to come and sing it? I think this is one that you guys have sung before, right? Thank you. It says, we shall see the king. Take your hymn book and turn to 144. Oh, praise God. We still got hymn books. Come on, Mike. Mm-hmm. 
may take off with it, Chris. You may take off with it. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or at noon. The wedding of the bride united with the groom. We shall see the king when he comes. Are you ready should the Savior call today? Jesus say, well done, or go away. My home is for the pure, the vile can never stay. We shall see the King when he comes. Oh, my brother, are you ready for the To crown your Savior, King and Lord of all. Now the kingdoms of this world shall soon before him fall. We shall see the King when he comes. We shall see the King. We shall see the King. Stand with us. We shall see the King when He comes. He's coming in power. We'll hail the blessed eye. Oh, we shall see the King when He comes. Oh, we shall see the King. We shall see the King. Praise God. We shall see the King when He comes. He's coming in power. We'll hail the blessed hour. Oh, we shall see the King when He comes. One shall be in the field. One shall be taken and one shall be left. One shall be at the grinding of the meal and one shall be taken and one shall be left. There were two thieves beside Christ. One was taken and one was left. Oh, this morning, church, make sure you're the one that is taken and not left. Amen. Make sure this morning, amen, before you go home, that everything is right between you and God. Amen. Oh, praise God. There is nothing dreary about this, oh, about this uh, expecting Jesus to come. Even though we've never experienced a rapture, we don't know what it'll feel like. We don't have any idea what it's going to be like, but it's going to be an awe moment in everybody's life. So turn to somebody and say, come go to heaven with me. And then look at them and say, but you can't have my ticket. Come on. How many is going to make heaven? Sing it one more time. Amen. Praise God. Oh, we shall see the King. Oh, we shall see the King. Yes, we shall see the King when He comes. He's coming in power. We'll hail the blessed hour. Oh, we shall see the King when He comes.